Welcome to the dark stream. Welcome to the motherfucking dark stream. I'm Darth Rictus. Darth Camgentace. And we are on episode four of this. So, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, we're streaming, we're rolling. We did a lot of Explorer this week. We've been rocking out with Naya Winota for most of it. I think we did only Explorer yeah. this week, Dora. Yeah, all Dora. All the Explorer. Anyway, we, we rocked out with Naya Winota. We hit it for quite a while, and uh, eventually we hit the wall that is Yorian. Yeah, so we, we had about 11 sideboard slots to give Yorian and the, the super high mid-range control decks. And we were trying some stuff, but then we ran into, you know, it, I think we were improving our, our matchup. But yeah. we, we ran into Feather and started realizing that there's decks that can both go over and under Winota. So then we were like, all right, let's 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 do a little audible, just the MTG classic, do a little audibling when you're losing. And we tried Feather and quickly realized we fucking we, hate, we feather. hate Feather. <laughs> we hate Feather. It sucks so much to play Feather. So then we uh, we shifted over and tried out a weird Anvil build because we're like, fuck it, let's play Obnixilis. Right, yeah, Obnixilis. Let's play with the new toys. But yeah, let's, let's play with all the new toys. And we started playing with it, and it, it felt underpowered. It felt like we could be doing more. So eventually we moved over... And I believe you were the one that advocated to push over into Greasefang, Parhelion, with Obnixilis. And it was it was beautiful because right. we, we shoved it into a Mardu Vehicles shell. Yeah, with Mardu Vehicles of old kind of thing. We've got our Toolcraft Exemplars. We've got our Thraben Inspectors. We've got uh, Voldaran Epicures. Yeah, the, the, the fun part of this is that you get things that you never got to have in that old standard. You get blood tokens for artifacts. And yeah. that's lovely. It's incredibly easy to turn on Spire of Industry in this list. Right, right. And, you know, we, we took a little bit to tighten up the mana base because we were definitely taking an extra two to four points a game having 12 Shocklands and, and Spire of Industry. That was, you know, a little too much. So we branched into some pathways instead. We pushed over and said, okay, let's let's find some linchpin pieces, at which point we found Rotting Regisaur. Yeah, Rotting Regisaur is great. So we are running Heart of Kieran, of course. And uh, Oh, yeah. Rotting Regisaur, it, it works so well in the deck because we've got the blood and we've got the Regisaur as ways to put Parhelion in the graveyard. Yep. Because we were looking at the Greasefang Parhelion decks. Yep. And it's incredibly powerful when it happens and it ends the game almost every time it happens immediately. Yep. But those decks, they're one trick pony. Oh, yeah. And if they get to do their trick, you will lose. And if they don't get to do their trick or you stop them, they have no other game. Yep. It was kind of the approach that we took with Winota at first. Yeah. Of, you know, we took the Turbo Winota and we, okay, so let's figure out how to build a Winota deck that doesn't lose to Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize. Yeah, or just Red Cat Melee. Right. And we did that. We did that. We got a Winota deck that can win without drawing Winota. And we have, you know, we then, like you, like you said, moved to the Rakdos thing, <coughs> which was working great when it drew Obnixilis. Yep. And otherwise, it was just kind of spinning its wheels and then was getting run over by people doing broken shit. So let's talk about some of the synergies of this deck, because I think some of them are not necessarily obvious, but they are beautiful. Yeah. One of the best ones, in my opinion, is that if you have a Rotting Reggie out and then you play Obnixilis, you can casualty a Rotting Reggie and then ult that token version of Obnixilis immediately Yeah. to either deal seven damage to your opponent which has to be the last seven because you're giving them seven cards. Yeah. Or you can just crystal brand yourself, deal yourself seven, draw seven cards. Now you got a full grip and you're probably onto the Grease Fang Parhelion combo at that point. So yeah, that's a great combo. I mean, uh, crewing card heart of Kieran almost gives it haste. Yeah. That, yeah. That damage in the air. Um, 
the fact that you can have two Obnixilis. So you can go turn one, we'll say Thraven Inspector or Volderon Epicure, Toolcraft right. Exemplar. We have 12 one drops, and then turn two, Heart of Kiron, and then turn three, and they're probably not killing your one drop. There's almost never a reason to try and... Basically never. Right, so then you get to Obnixilis with a casualty, bump both Obnixiluses <laughs> up, and simultaneously crew Heart of Kiron on your turn and then their turn. Yeah, Heart of Kiron and Obnixilis are best friends, and they, they work so well together. Yeah, it, it was astounding to me the amount of work Heart of Kieran puts in when you have Obnixilis. It's wild. Well, and then you can be ticking both of them up and using the heart to protect them. Yep. And that, that loyalty going up is crewing on the opponent's turn for one of them, and that loyalty going up is crewing on your turn for one of them. So you're attacking with heart, usually unopposed in the air for four. Yep. And they have to decide whether to lose two life or discard two cards. Yep. Um, and many times early in the game, they're choosing it's to lose life, but it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. And this also brings up another point. For people who are looking to find ways around Obnixilis, kill the token. Do not kill the original oh, yeah. and leave the token, because we had triple Obnixilis we multiple did. games because they kept killing the token, or, or the killing the original, yeah, and leaving the token out, and we're just like, okay, so three Obnixilis, try to beat that now. Obnixilis. Yeah, and that that's absurd. You're invoking despair every turn, basically, it's against them. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. But that, the deck clocks so hard. Yeah. And those one-mana creatures provide so much value. I mean, the Toolcraft Exemplar is just on all the time. Yeah, you, you have 16 ways to turn that card on on turn two. Yeah. And that's insane, because you have your Voldron Epicures, you're going to have your Thraven Inspectors, you're going to have your Blood Tithe Harvesters, and you're going to have your Heart of Kurans, four of us across the board. All of those turn it on. Let's not forget that Greasefang has a little combo with Heart of Kiran as well if they kill it. Right. Yeah, so Greasefang can get your heart back. You can just get value off that, and it's it's easy. It's easy to do. So deck seems spicy. Um, there's definitely some slots getting shifted around in the sideboard. We're picking up on Monday with that in all likelihood. Oh, yeah. I. It's hard for me to imagine not playing that deck some more before then, though. I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I really loved that, you know, a lot of people might not remember... These were the, the paper magic days when you had to play and shuffle with your filthy fucking hands. <laughs> yes. And that those were the days of the Mardu uh, vehicles deck. Oh, yeah. And it was <coughs> it was a powerhouse when it was around. Right, it the, really the, was. The cards, the cards for it are, were retroactively added to Arena. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's good to see that there's a home for Toolcraft Exemplar. I don't know how strong this deck is going to end up being in the format, but it's got a lot of resiliency. It's got a lot of options. It is balls to the wall aggro, and is, I love it that. It is incredibly fast. And it does have the ability to go, whoops, twin turn three. That's, that's probably my favorite part of it, is the deck puts up an insane clock, an insane clock. Some of the draws, you know, your classic turn one Exemplar, turn two Exemplar, Thraben Inspector... You didn't see that much in the standard version back in the day. Yeah. But when you have Epicure, it's pretty easy to set that up. Yeah. And yeah. we saw it a couple of times where it's turn two, we're swinging for three. That's pretty damn good. But then turn three, we're swinging for seven. And then playing up Nixilis or Rotting Reggie. Right. Right. And, and opponents got to deal with that stuff. And uh, if they tap down, you've got that blood token. You get to four mana. It's... Okay, blood, discard Parhelion, here's Grease Fang, and you're fucked. Yeah. It's... And it's, it's very much like a Splinter Twin thing, where the opponent has to kind of keep some mana open to deal with the game-ending threat that you can just deploy yep. out of nowhere for very little mana. 
this is what I like about this deck twofold. I like that we finally found, in my opinion, the very best use of blood tokens. Yeah. Not only do they enable combos, they also enable <laughs> your ability to get toolcraft exemplar going fast. And it's just perfect in a deck like this. And it's a great way to cash out redundant hearts. Yep. Yep. And Rotting Reggie finally found a home. Rotting Registor is great in here. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Because you. that it, was part of the problem with the, the other Grease Fang Parhelion decks. Yeah. Is that they're trying to dump everything from the library into the graveyard and either cast a Grease Fang that they drew or reanimate the Grease Fang to reanimate the Parhelion and therefore are incredibly vulnerable to the sort of graveyard removal that we're seeing in the format, which isn't so much your, you know, your your ancient tomb or whatever it is that crypt, you know, costs zero artifact, tap it and just blow out a graveyard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. But there's, there's artifact stuff like that or like Relic of Progenitus, that kind of stuff where it's a dedicated one card blow up your graveyard solution. That's not really the approach people are taking in the format. Yeah. It's it's more like your graveyard trespassers and unlicensed hearse has been making an appearance, which has been fun to see. Right, and we're we're trying it on our board too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But the, the beauty of this though is that it's one card that goes in the graveyard, and we can do it on opponent's end step. We can do it on our turn, and if if they don't have the mana up, that they've got to answer it right now. Yep, right Blood, now, right now, right now. Blood tokens just did so much work on turning. I mean, it used to be you'd have to dedicate slots like Faithless Looting. And you see that in the Esper build of Grease Fang, where they're on, I think it's Faithful Mending, which is the yeah. Esper version of it. Yeah. And I, I watch people play that in Otherworldly Gaze, where they're just taking card disadvantage to fill up their grave. Right. And they're not deploying threats. They're just rocking out Stitcher Supplier, like so many shitty cards to try to get one combo through. Often garbage and some of that sacrifice a thing, draw two cards, just to... And, and then, of course... A lot of them were also running um, <clears throat> Kroxa yep. as the other backup, but it's sort of the same plan, which is incredibly graveyard reliant. Yeah. And if you can attack the graveyard effectively, those decks just aren't going to work. Yeah, they just crumble. <clears throat> and I imagine they're going to crumble pretty quickly against a lot of the format as the format starts to adjust. I mean, this is still like week one, basically, of Explorer. Yeah. And, and the, again, those decks are kind of bad at getting Parhelion into the graveyard if it's in the grip. Like, yeah. you don't want it in the grip in those decks. You want it in the library. <clears throat> yeah, they don't have a lot of ways to deal with it. They have to use the Faithful Mendings, and they have to hit them to get there because Otherworldly Gaze doesn't do it. Stitcher Supplier doesn't do it. Right. Like, all those but quick, this, cheap this tricks. This deck, we could do turn one anything. Turn two, play a Voldar and Epicure pass to opponent. <laughs> opponent does whatever they do, tap their mana, play a two-drop, a three-drop, and we crack off that blood, discard Parhelion, untap, play the third land, play a Grease Fang, out of nowhere, there it is. Yeah. You, it, I like that it also makes this deck uh, a question mark to a lot of people because we had Mardu Vehicle starts where they definitely thought we were Mardu Vehicles. Which we are. And then we got to Grease Fang. Yeah. Which felt really filthy. I mean, they scooped every time. Every time. every Because they'd be, they'd be dedicating their resources. We're attacking on so many fronts. We've got the, the vehicle line of attack with the Heart of Kirin that is smashing hard. The Planeswalker line of attack with Obnixilis the low-to-the-ground creatures that do more work than you'd think that they would, yeah. um, the artifacts that they provide that allow us to filter through our deck, those rotting registers, which are an absolute house. Oh, my. Yes. And we don't care about the discard, because usually we've cleared out our hand anyway. Yeah. The, the curve is so low. I mean, the curve ends at three, yeah. not counting Parhelion, which we'll never cast. Yeah. But so 
yeah, we just keep playing stuff and we're permanently hellbent. It doesn't matter. Yep. And so what we're looking at for the sideboard and I, the list is going to be, uh, I think the initial list is posted up on our YouTube. Uh, if you just check and, you know, like, and subscribe, cause we're here. Yeah. Like subscribe. Uh huh. And, uh, the, the list will be in the description. I posted lists for feather for the final Winota list and for the beginnings of the Mardu vehicles, grease fang list that we're working on. But the alterations that are going to come pretty quickly, we're looking at uh, a sideboard that's going to include four Chandra torch of defiance four unlicensed hearse, four rave enfeeblement, and three fable push. That's where we're starting. And the reason the reason for this is that uh, we can do this very simply. Week, weekly meta update. If you are playing Explorer, there are two decks I would expect to see a lot of as you get up through Platinum and Diamond. I would expect to see a lot of Winota still because people still want the free wins and they still think that's the way to go. It won't be. But I understand that they're trying it, and that makes sense. It's where we started, too. It's week one. Well, we don't know where the format's going to shake out, either. Right. And Winota is probably going to be a fine choice many weeks. True, true. And then uh, we see a lot of blue-white control variants, whether it's Yorian pushing into three colors. We even saw a four-color one. Yeah. Um, or if it's just straight blue-white wandering emperor and Teferis and 60 cards. Expect to see a fair amount of that, because that is... Potent. It's potent. It's easy. It's honestly, in my opinion, it's the easiest version of control to pilot. They play threats. You answer threats efficiently. It's not you take Gandalf over. so much as it is uh, Radagast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a better way to put it. Um, one of the new up and comers this weekend you might see a little bit of is the mono blue uh, snow spirits. I've seen it on a few different streams. I've seen it. We played against it. Um, it's, it's got it's got some it's got some game. Yeah, get ready for Geist Snares. Get ready for all the Flash creatures between Rattle Chains, Spectral Sailors. Um, denials. Yep, get ready for Ascendant Spirits. Uh, it's Faceless Havens in it. You know, it's it's got a lot to offer. And remember, and it's got a lot of a lot of room to develop as well. Yeah, it, this, it, this deck could look totally different. The Mono Blue deck could look totally different in, in a week. Yeah, so those three are pretty high on the radar. There's other stuff floating around. There's some Rakdos mid-range decks. I don't love them, but I understand they're playing because they want Obnixilis, and I think they're doing the Obnixilis plan we started with. Yeah. You know, just trying to value Obnixilis and play kind of a weird mid-range build, but... I don't think you can do that in this format. No, I... I, I mean, you can get games, but you're, you're going to get blown out by people doing broken shit or, like, the blue deck just tempoing you getting under there with small creatures and countering your stuff or going way over the top yeah I, I think the issue there the deck is set up to beat winota and it does because I've, I've seen how they dealt with us and it was like triple red cat melee triple raven feeblement it was set up and we still beat it with our build yeah we beat it with our build because our build wasn't glass cannon winota we we had a werewolves build that yeah. we had winota in and i really like that build for winota and we were able to overcome those decks but but I see what, how they're going to prey on glass cannon decks like crazy. Yeah, and and other small creature decks too. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably be fine against snow blue spirits, frankly. Yeah, because they're set up with all the cheap removal, <laughs> all the cheap interaction. But my my guess is it gets absolutely rolled by Yorian. Yeah, and then of, kind of the same with uh, Jund Corvold. Yeah, which is almost the same deck. It just goes bigger with Corvold. The one thing that 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 cat oven deck has uh, over the rest though is that when you go up against control you have a little bit more room to maneuver with the cats in the ovens than most of the mid-range decks do. The problem is they have all of the exile effects. They'll they're, get you eventually. Yeah, they're playing a lot of exile effects. That March of Otherworldly Light was quite a card for blue-white control to get. 
I expect to see plenty of it. I, I haven't played that cat oven match against blue white control because I don't really want to pilot either deck. And that's what it's boiled down to is yeah. I don't want to play Yorian. It's gotta be fun. Right. I don't want to play Yorian. I don't want to play cat oven. Both decks just make me grimace every time. Right. It's, there's just certain decks. I'm going to put feather on that list too. Feather, yeah. Yorian, cat oven. That if that's what I have to play to win, I'm not doing it. I'm not playing the format or I'm not playing to win. <laughs> Right, right. There there comes a point where you just move to one of the other three formats, which is usually what I do in that scenario, and it's what I've done with Standard historically when we had the Alrun's Epiphany issues. Right. Hell, when we had the Oko Everyone issue. Oh, my God. I, I broke it day two because it was like, all right, so we just play Black and Four Noxious Grasp in the main, and we, hit, we just have to blow up your Oko first and keep ours out, and that was the whole plan. Right. And it was so dumb, and within three hours, the rest of Arena had adjusted. And I was like, okay, so it's literally the same 60 going was, back and forth. That was so atrocious. Was that was so <laughs> atrocious. Most inbred meta I've ever played. And, and that was also when there weren't really alternative formats on Arena. Yeah. I mean, I think Historic was barely started. Yeah, I think if it, it came even out, had yet. I don't think it was. I think they were talking about releasing it. Right, it was, it was like Mandioka. standard or nothing, and it sucked. I don't even think you had regular draft. You had computer draft back then. Oh, God, yeah. It's so much better <laughs> than it was at the beginning of the pandemic on Arena. And it's unfortunate that we all had so much time to play so much Magic, and Wizards gave us just the back-to-back -back worst formats ever with no alternatives. <laughs> it's a very Wizards move, though. And, and yet still had like their record-smashing profits. But, you know, they have to raise the price as 11%. Yes, Cause, yes. Because those profits go to the battle against John Finkel. <laughs> the battle against John Finkel. I wonder how much of the money came from Arena and how much of it was from the secret layers and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to check. I'm... They put out Commander Precons, multiple Commander Precons with every single set now. Gross. It That's used to be so like much. four a year or something. It stops being special when you do it every time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to kind of keep track of those things just to try and see if there were really unique, interesting cards for cube design. Sure, sure. But I'm, I don't even try now. Oh, God, how could you? It's a flood. It's an absolute flood. It's, I don't know, I, I think that's just poor marketing, personally. It's it's short-term gains, gains for long-term destruction. I, I don't know, they keep making more money. They keep making more, and actually, Arena's a lot better than it was now. Oh, yeah. Because we do have four formats, four constructed formats. Yeah, and Draft is human draft now draft is human draft and there's tournaments if you, if you want to do it there's sealed there's tournaments now i'd like to see some more of the the casual stuff kind of cropping up but still for four constructed formats that gives you a lot of outs if uh if a if a given format is bad and you can buy 90 packs with 90,000 gold now Instead of clicking 1,000 over and over oh, and I over. Oh, I didn't know they changed that back. Good. They, they changed it and they made it so you can open all your packs at once. Oh, so you don't have to re-click it all. That was so obnoxious when it was click, 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 one pack. Yeah. Click, yeah. click, click, two packs. Yeah. That was so... So obnoxious. So I didn't... I was just like, all right, I'm not buying packs then. Yeah. That was my response. I just... For whatever time that was, I did it like three times. Never mind. I'll I'm not. Just, I'm not buying packs. I'll just draft. I'll just draft. I'll just. I'll just gravy train the draft. And when I start losing a draft, I'll wait. I'll wait till the next fucking set. Fuck you. Oh, wizards! They really do have that cardboard crack because everybody I know that plays Magic seriously at at some point goes fuck you, wizards, and then play some more. Right? Fuck you, wizards! But give me that needle. Sling that cardboard crack our way. But I don't know. I mean, we we might be in for a great year because. 
the the explorer format has been a lot of fun oh yeah i expected it was just going to be winota and god damn it and instead it's been interesting uh, yeah we we what we've done is straight up brewing yeah and you know throw back to a, a standard deck that many of the players on i mean people had to read heart of kieran over and over and over and, and then still missed. misplayed into it yeah <laughs> they just had never played against it before and didn't understand the dynamics of it and we were getting kind of free wins off of that that was adorable and lovely and i was like oh yeah this is the og prize right here <laughs> but, but it also the, the, the gameplay of that deck feels like the kind of magic gameplay that i really enjoy though where the game is decisive mm -hmm. the choices that you make early matter yeah it turns down the road versus kind of the standards we've been used to where the, the game just rotates around one turn and the the turns that led up to that didn't much matter and really what we're talking about is the era of the ultimatum you know right ultimatum or before that uh eldrazi yeah or whatever it is they had to ban yeah wh whatever whatever it was, big dumb thing if it was cool nine turns of play or whatever the fuck or if it was your fucking turn to oko you know like it didn't matter after that yeah that was the game every there's, time there's a card it like once it came down that's that and that kept happening instead or l runs epiphany okay we're done yeah we're done it didn't matter everything before that it didn't matter and and the other taking turns decks and it, it just it feels so pointless to play magic when the game just becomes about sticking exactly one thing or preventing exactly one thing. Yep. It's not dynamic. It, it, it just turns into this generic dross. Yes, absolutely. And the best standard we ever played in, uh, it's been a while now. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been about 15 years now. Yes, it has. But we, we did get to play in a standard where there were three tier one combo decks, four tier one aggro decks, I think two to three tier one mid-range decks, and two or three tier one control. It was wild. It was wild. So we're talking about... Uh, Dredge standard. Yeah, so this is the, the most recent set at the time would have been Future Sight. Yep. This is when we the had... tail end of the time spiral block. Yeah, we, we had the Safi Eric Stouter combo, which you took uh, to regionals and did quite well with. Yeah, yeah. I fell asleep on my win and into top eight with the the lethal combo on Most, the board so painful to watch <laughs> he's, he's just sitting there and he's been up all night having fun working on the deck etc like we were all tuning and testing but i think you just stayed up straight through basically well, i couldn't sleep i was just you know my 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 thoughts were wandering and <laughs> yeah i was excited to play magic and i just kind of like come on brain go to sleep and i don't remember who who we'd crashed with but it was like their their grandparents yeah farmhouse yeah but their grandparents had left a while ago yeah so it was you know like nature was kind of creeping into the place yeah and it was yeah this sort of dusty old kind of vibe and you know comfortable and everything but i'm just laying there it's unfamiliar thinking about magic and then it gets to that like okay brain stop it go to sleep stop it go to sleep checking the time it's getting later now it's getting earlier you know <laughs> sun comes up take a shower yeah i'm exhausted going into round one and it's lincoln nebraska baby regionals back yeah. when regionals were a fucking thing oh it was so cool yeah yeah made it, made it to the last round had my my combo win on the board and just kept falling asleep and eventually i, I remember you woke up and everybody's just staring at you the judge is just staring at you like come on man come on man yeah. <laughs> and you, you just you're you're like all right i I know I have the win on board, but I can't remember how this how yeah. this works at yeah, all. Brain and also, there was nothing to eat there too. <laughs> no, nothing. There was nothing to eat. It was it was at like Huge a event fucking hall high school or something. 
And they, yeah, there was just vending machines. I mean, all I'd eaten were like peanuts and fucking Dr. Pepper or something like that. Yeah. I remember after the event, a whole bunch of us went to a Buffalo Wild Wings because that's what you do when you're with a bunch of magic players in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. And uh, as soon as I ate food, I, I woke back up. Yep. As soon as I ate food, I woke back up. Yep. But it doesn't matter. It was a great time. So you're playing a different combo deck than you were playing Dredge. I was playing the dredgiest glass canyoniest Dredge ever. It was great. Uh, like everybody else who was playing Dredge, I looked at their list. You can still find my list if you really go after it. It takes a bit of a deep dive, but it's sitting around on uh, TCG players' old archives. And it was a Dredge list that had uh, gemstone caverns times four. Yeah. So that I actively wanted them to go first most of the time. And it was wild. It was so much fun because they'd win the die roll and I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm so good. And they'd be like, all right, I'm going to play a mountain. I'm like, gemstone caverns with a luck counter on it. Here we go, baby. Let's do it. My turn one, Magus of the Bazaar. My turn two, you lose. It was wild. Such a cool deck. Just dredge in standard. Yeah. It was wild. It was. And it wasn't, there was no clear best deck. What was Darth Zero was playing like Gruul with Tarmogoyf? He was on Gruul or Rakdos with Tarmogoyf. I think it was Gruul because Rakdos was the Nationals list that yeah, yeah. year. Yeah, he was, he was on Gruul, aggro with Tarmogoyf. And and, and uh, Locke was on Rakdos, and he was the one yeah, that took it all down. Won. He took it all down. He was the, My only loss of the day was to him in round seven or eight. And it was, I just got rolled. He was so ready for it. <laughs> but everybody else, I, I played uh, Peter Martinez in that turn tournament. I, I played him like round two. And he's sitting there with uh, Mono Red with Gargadon and Mog Fanatic. So Bridge from Below is not happening. Is, is Steve Locke the one? He went on to do all the, the great GP stuff with humans. Was that him? I think so. I think so. I know he's he's played a lot of tournaments. He's gone a long way in, in a lot of them. So he's definitely one of the top tier grinders out of the Midwest. I, I seem to remember it being him that, that had a lot of success with humans in Modern a few years ago. That sounds right. And I think won a GP. Because uh, Darth Zero had listened to one of these other podcasts when you were talking about some parent uh, signing guardianship rights to oh, him yeah. to take someone to the, the JSS event in Florida. I, I think that was Steve Locke. He was the one that had the guardianship papers. Yeah. 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 And that's how, but that's how awesome this community has been. Right. You know, back in the day, I remember being young, being 15 and having somebody hand me a $10,000 legacy deck yeah. to go to another state and play. And they're just like, just bring it back when you're done, kid. It'll be fine. And I didn't think about it twice about it at the time. I was just like, thanks for the deck, man. I'll go play the tournament, you know. And I'd bring it back and be like, here you go. I was careful when I shuffled, wanted to make sure I didn't, you know. And they were, they were lovely. But I think about that now as an adult. I'm like, holy shit, somebody just handed me that. Yeah. I was like, all right, go drive my car, kid. Right. It's wild, absolutely batty. But. That's how amazing the community is. It's one of the reasons I've stayed with this game for as long as I have, because a lot of games have come and gone and a lot of communities have come and gone in life. But MTG players, as, especially if you're from the Midwest, you know what it's like here. Yeah. It's it's a lot of love. It's a lot of support. Yeah. Like when Wyatt Darby won that uh, Pro Tour. That fucking ruled. That was amazing. That was also the coolest Pro Tour win I've ever seen. He brought the glory. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that it was Wyatt. Yeah. But just the way it happened. And and it was even kind of like that that Mighty Ducks sort of thing yeah. where the opponent was just a little bit villainous. Right. With what well, did you exert it? And, you know, like the commentators like, eh, it's the finals of the Pro Tour. He exerted it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the finals and like the chat on that that was popping off right. was everybody like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> right, right. It was just such a clear good guy, bad guy scenario. 
but yeah, it was just that runner runner. Whereas what, what would what he draw like in a braid the turn before that? Yep. Like it had to be a braid into glory bringer. And he, he hit the runner runner and he played so tight. Yeah. It was the tightest yeah. play I've and it was, ever it wasn't, seen. It wasn't even an obvious line. It was far from obvious. I remember watching that and it's the, the abrade and I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh, he's fucked. Yeah. And then he played to an out that I didn't see. Yep. And there it was. And, and the opponent had to make a mistake. Yep, both of, all of these things happened, but he played the line perfectly. Yeah, I've never seen that level of play uh, in the finals of a pro tour. I've I've seen high levels of play, but that was the tightest play I've ever seen for a final. And and pro tour finals sometimes can just be so disappointing too. Oh god, where it's you know mana screws, bad draws. You know, you're waiting Mold for this five, ultimate. Whatever. Yeah, this ultimate battle between the strongest players in the room, at least that day as determined by luck and skill right and and then luck completely determines <laughs> the outcome and not in an exciting way in a very anticlimactic way yeah you, you see the player that's winning and they look almost like sorry like oh man you know like oh i'm sorry you, you, yeah you, you didn't get to play magic on the final round basically yeah but I, i'm still happy about the money right still getting that title not not giving it up for no, this but absolutely not. <laughs> But there have been a couple. There have been a couple of historic ones. You know, Wyatt had one of the best ones, probably my favorite one ever. The second one that I recall is the Craig Jones Lightning Helix. I didn't see that one. That that was the uh, that was Guild Pact standard with Plague Rasulkas on one end and Spirits, and it was Zoo on the oh, other end. Oh yeah. And okay. he and he just wraps the top of his deck, and he's like, "All right, well, this is either Lightning Helix or you're winning." And just windmill slams it in into fucking Helix, and the whole crowd went nuts. Those are great moments when you can play them right when you when it's it's especially it's that game three and i have to top deck exactly this if i draw exactly this i win if i draw anything else i lose immediately to be able to just call it slam it on the table and there it is yeah because every time you miss no one remembers nobody cares everyone forgets yeah i mean it, but when you do it when it's you do explosive it. i do it like every time that situation comes up yeah yeah, when you do it, and especially when you do it like that, you're a legend, which is why I still remember that Pro Tour, and it's yeah. been a long time since that. It's been 20 years since that one. I, I had that... My, I don't even remember what deck I was playing or what tournament it was. Yeah. But it was one of the Obsidats. I don't remember if it was the old one or the... the I, I, I guess I can't call it the new one anymore, but the most recent Obsidat <laughs> printing. The second one. <laughs> I played, I've played Obsidat in the two printings of it in both of those standards. Oh, yeah. But whatever it was, like, I wasn't getting out of it. I needed the, the life drain effect. Yeah. That was the only way I was going to win, and I had one copy in the library. Nice. And it comes to my turn, and I just, like, untap Paul Obsidat, flip the top of my library, and boom, there it is. <laughs> Rewarding. Feels great. Oh, uh, rewarded. Perfect. Great. Perfect. So anyway, um, getting back, getting back to the weekly meta that we're expecting. It's a. It looks like it's going to be healthy. It looks like Explorer is going to be interesting, and it's got some room to brew. It's got some room to move. Dora seems like a great format so far. Yeah, I, I like Dora. I, I think that we're going to see some more brewing happening, which makes me pretty excited because this is what we came up with just screwing around while we're streaming. You yeah. know what I mean? We didn't focus too heavily on it. We we're just like. Well, what if we tried something like this and then it came together? Yeah, and it's just working. And it might not be working in a week, but it, oh, who cares? it's working today. It's interesting, at least. And it, it opens up avenues for... That's all I really want to do when I'm brewing anyway. I want to try and open up avenues I've never opened before. Open up those doors you've yeah. never been able to try. My favorite kind of games of Magic are the novel ones. Yeah. Are 
the when I haven't gone through the play patterns over and over and over. Yeah. When I'm not 100% sure what my opponent's going to do and they're not 100% sure what I'm going to do. Um, for me, the, the game gets stale when it, it falls into such a place that like Paul Chion becomes the best player. Yeah. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, anybody listening, if you watch coverage of Paul Chion playing when his microphone is on, yep. you can hear him calling every play his opponent is about to make. Yep. Because when when Paul Chion is doing well, it seems to be because he has a complete understanding of not just the decks and the format, but of what they do on curve in each situation. And he's played so many games. It's like, okay, so now you're going to thought seize me or now you're going to play whatever Siege Rhino or whatever the fuck it is at the time. Yep. And that's what will happen. And he'll be doing the, the commentary of the match as it's unfolding. Yes. Which is <laughs> amusing to watch. And I like that, that, that there's someone like Paul Chion out there to make those stale formats at least kind of funny. Right. <laughs> but I, I, like, I like the kind of magic formats that, that Paul Chion may be vexed playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little bit more fun when you don't know what's going to happen next, right? And that's true of life anyway. Yeah. But um, check out the deck lists. They're sitting up on YouTube. Uh, feel free to swing over to Twitch, toss us a good old light scribe, follow all that. Uh, we just made affiliates, so yeah, we'll, we have, did. we'll have donations uh, available. And by that, I mean, please donate to us and we'll start doing some giveaways here in the near future. I okay, promise you that. Bunkers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And blackjack. Yeah, we'd call it a coffee fun, but that just wouldn't be right. <laughs> it ain't for that. <laughs> anyway, I'm Darth Rictus. Darth Camgentes, Darkstream, peace. Darkstream. Darkstream.